It's draft week 2021, and this is Jonesing for football. Bill Jones along with Cody Winstead, who has done months and months of prep work for this moment in time right now. First round of the NFL draft on Thursday. We've got the big green notebook, which I am still filling up to this day. I will be filling this draft book up all the way until Saturday because I'm still looking for those third-day gyms, the five-star prospects in this NFL draft. But now we are here to put a bow on our preparation and get you set for draft night on a Thursday. It's a very exciting time of the year, not only for draft nerds like young Cody, but also for the rest of you NFL fans. And there are so many out there, right, young Cody? Oh, no doubt about it. Bill Jones, we've reached draft week. See, you use the notebook. I use the Google Docs. So, you know, we're <laughs> you're old school. I'm a little bit more new school, but we still get it done studying wise. Uh, I'm ready, man. Let, let's get this thing underway. All right. So what do we do on this episode of Jonesing for Football? Well, Bill Jones, we're doing bold predictions. Uh, this is one of the most fun segments of the year. Uh, we've been studying for weeks, for months, reading, breaking down tape, and now it's time to give our bold predictions the week of the draft. And this is great because if it hits, you can say, hey, I called that. I predicted that. Hey, look at, look at, check this out. But if it doesn't, you just forget about it and no one remembers it. So there's no real downside to the bold prediction, Bill Jones. Uh, I can't <laughs> wait to hear what you've got. Start us off with your first one. In fact, along those lines, here's what you can do. If, if you hit on it, then you can tweet it out. You can share it on social media. And if you don't hit on it, you just delete the podcast. There you go. Right? We can do that too. Sure. We can do that. <laughs> All right. Bold prediction number one. And I, of course, here in Dallas, there's been so much speculation. What will the Cowboys do at number 10? Cornerback is a huge need for this team. So we've been diving in on the top cornerbacks. I took Caleb Farley off my list to, from the get-go because of the back surgery that he had. So I've... So I'm not even considering him. But the two top cornerbacks in this draft are Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn. We're all in agreement on that, right? Yes, sir. No doubt. What percentage of the uh, NFL draft analysts out there have Patrick Sertan ranked ahead of J.C. Horn? I would say 80 or 90 percent. Almost everybody. I would, I would say so, too. I would say it's up near 90% of the draft analysts have Patrick Sertan, CB1, J.C. Horn, CB2. Well, yep. here is bold number one. J.C. Horn will have a better NFL career than Patrick Sertan second. How's that for bold prediction number one, Cody? Uh, I like it. And I agree with it, actually. I, I'm a horn guy. Um, obviously, significant differences between their style of play. Uh, one guy's a little more raw. That's horn. Uh, Sertan's a little bit more buttoned up. But I love uh, horn. What, what's your uh, reasoning for liking horn? You know, I, I kind of look at it this way. And I saw Bucky Brooks tweeted something uh, 
a viewer tweeted at Bucky something about uh, liking certain players in the draft or loving certain players in the draft. And Bucky said, you can't go wrong if you just pick the guys that you love in the draft, you know, and it, it was in reference to taking best player available versus position of need. And, and he thinks, and, and I, I believe the same thing that a lot of times teams go wrong with their picks because they're, they're picking for need rather. Well, in this case, I really like Patrick Sertan, the second, I everything that you talk about uh, with him. I mean, he, he has, he came out of the womb learning to be a cornerback and he is right on track to have a terrific NFL career. I think he'll be a pro bowler as well. I really like Patrick Sertan, but I love JC Horn. And so that that's the bottom line on it. And one of the reasons that I love JC Horn is he has, he's got some Michael Irvin in him. He's got uh, a personality, an alpha personality, a, a dog in him that he's not afraid to uh, say what's on his mind. But it's under, but it's it's under control as well. You know, he's a smart guy. Michael has always been a smart guy as well. But Michael had that personality that was so infectious. It it impacted the rest of the locker room. And I will tell you, you know, Jimmy Johnson gets a lot of credit for what the Cowboys did in the nineties. But if he didn't have Michael Irvin in that locker room, I'm not sure that the Cowboys would have had the same kind of success that they had. J.C. Horn has that same type personality where he can impact the culture of a locker room. And that's why that's what puts him above Sertan for me. There's a, here's another comparison I'll make. Last year, we look at wide receivers and the Cowboys were sitting there. Uh, they were picking 17th in the first round. And you had those wide receivers, the two Alabama wide receivers, Ruggs and Judy, and you had Lamb and you had Jefferson from LSU. But I look at Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb as being sort of the same, whatever. And so I was studying those two. And, of course, I had a great history, having watched basically every play that C.D. Lamb had made in college, being an OU guy. It, it wasn't my OU uh, ties that made me say this. It was the – the, the makeup of C.D. Lamb, the toughness that he has, he's got that dog in him that I, I would have taken C.D. Lamb over Jerry Judy last year for this, kind of the same reasons that I would take J.C. Horn over Patrick Sertan this year. Yep, uh, I love that comparison because uh, just like Sertan is uh, buttoned up was the phrase I used, Judy was the same way, the exact way last year. And um, in CD Lamb is very similar to Horn, kind of more. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with nothing. The, nothing the at all. Just and, different and, styles. Sertan, Sertan is a safer pick. I, I'm fully confident that he is going to play at a very level. I think that Horn can impact more uh, in the locker room and has more of an up, a little bit more of an upside in what he can do. We could see on Thursday that that a team takes a uh, horn first, you know, it could easily happen. That's not a, that's, that's not a bold prediction at all. That horn. Could well, and, and let me, and let, and let me say this also, I wouldn't, wouldn't at all be surprised if Mike McCarthy is a big JC horn fan. And it goes back with his history with the horn family. Keep in mind, Mike McCarthy was a quarterback's coach at Kansas city. When Joe horn was a fifth round draft pick in 1996. And he was pr primarily a special teams guy with the chiefs. Mike McCarthy, uh, Joe Horn went to New Orleans. Mike McCarthy, 
became the offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints two months after J.C. Horn was born. In January of 2000, became the O.C., and Joe Horn's career took off. Over the, the five years that Mike McCarthy was at New Orleans, Joe Horn made the Pro Bowl for those five years. So anyway, there's a, there's a connection there as well between McCarthy. And, and so we'll see if indeed McCarthy is a Horn fan over Sertan, how much pull does he have in that draft room? Uh, it's, that'll be very interesting to see. All right. Let me give you my bold prediction number one. And it has to do with my guy, Ohio State QB, Justin Fields. I think he should go number three to the 49ers. I'm not sure where he'll be taken, truthfully. It seems like no one has a, a good feel for that, which I think is a little strange. Um, but to me, it doesn't really matter. So here's my prediction. Fields is going to be so good as a rookie that folks around the league are going to wonder why wasn't he the number one overall pick instead of Trevor Lawrence. That's how good Fields is going to be as a rookie. Now, if he's selected by San Francisco at number three or Denver at number nine, I think it's almost a sure thing that it happens. Even if New England trades up, or Chicago trades up, both of those teams have enough weapons that it's still very likely that my prediction hits. So I love Fields. Um, I should mention, again, I'm an OSU guy, uh, but I don't love all Buckeyes, Bill Jones. I try to be somewhat Mm -hmm. objective here. And so I'm all in on Fields, though. I mean, that's really what matters. I watched almost every snap he took at OSU. He's the best Buckeye quarterback of my lifetime, and it's not even close. I think his skills will transfer very well to the league. He's pretty big, 6'3", 227. He ran a 4'4'6 at the pro day. The physical tools are all there. We know that. Uh, I think he has the personality to be the face of a franchise. He's confident. He's a leader. He'll set the standard in the building. Uh, that's probably my favorite thing about him. In two years at OSU, he won the Big Ten Player Offensive Player of the Year both times, 82 total touchdowns and nine picks. This guy is awesome, trust me. Um, and he's a really accurate thrower. I don't think he's getting enough credit for his uh, accuracy rate. According to Pro Football Focus, he has the highest accurate pass rate throwing past the sticks um, all of last year. So passes that resulted in a first down, No one threw a higher accurate pass rate than Justin Fields, and that includes deep balls as well. On passes of 20-plus yards, his accurate pass rate was second best in the entire country. And, of course, he's done it in big games. He lit Clemson up um, in the uh, playoff last year for six touchdowns. The way I describe his performance at OSU, he made the right play 99% of the time. Now I'll admit the 1% that he didn't make, they were horrific decisions. Some horrible picks, uh, most notably Indiana when he threw three picks and Northwestern when he had two. But I don't think Bill Jones, those five, six, seven plays that he didn't make should outweigh the hundreds that he did make. Justin Fields is going to be a stud in the NFL. Wow. 
the president of the Justin Fields fam, young Cody Winstead. Yes, sir. Okay, number one, who is your second favorite? Who is the second best quarterback in your lifetime at Ohio State? Oh, I mean, we've got a ton of great Buckeyes. Um, Terrell Pryor. You just Joe, can't think of any right off the top of your head. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, Kirk Herbstreet. I mean, we've got some real studs <laughs> in our back. So, so the bar was real high there. I didn't have to mention that. Everyone knew that. <laughs> All right. And the other part of that is – Part of what you're saying that the rookie year is the fact that Lawrence is going to Jacksonville, which doesn't have the same talent that a San Francisco or a Denver, or as you said, even a Chicago has. But I, I think that's interesting there because your guy, Urban Meyer, coaches Jacksonville. And so that evens it out a little bit there. So Exactly. I'm proud of you. I, I'm not I'm not quite sure how Urban's gonna do in the pros. I have more faith. How about this? This is another bold prediction. This is just a special, an extra. I think Justin Fields is going to have a better pro career than Urban Meyer. How about that? Well, I love that. That was a that was a very bold prediction. Here's my bold prediction number two. JOK is no joke. Three years from now, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa teams will rue the day that they passed on Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, the linebacker slash safety from Notre Dame. They will rue the day that they passed on the jokester, J-O-K. Not sure where he's going to go. He's projected mid-first round. I, but I think the reason that teams are going to pass on him is because they aren't sure how they can play him uh, because he does not fit your prototype linebacker spot. He's not your prototype safety either. He's a tweener, but he is a playmaker, and he has he, he fills the bill on all of the character issues, team leader type stuff. He's a ball hawk, and he's a great tackler as well. And I think he, I think there's going to be a very good team that has the luxury of being able to take him and has a plan for him to use him immediately, and he will have like an Antoine Winfield-type impact as a rookie on a team. And so maybe even after one year, there's going to be GMs and owners that are scratching their head, and they will rue the day that they passed on JOK. What do you think of that? I like his style, too. Again, just slightly afraid he's kind of in between positions. So he's listed as a linebacker, but played – uh, more, way more snaps at slot corner than he did in the box linebacker this year. And so you said he's a linebacker slash safety. I think he's almost a safety slash linebacker. And so, uh, right. you know, like we'll see if his, is he quick enough if it, it, to be a safety slash linebacker? Because in the, in the league, he can be matched up with Tyree Kill in the slot. He can be matched up with, DK Metcalf in the slot. I mean, all great wide receivers now are headed to the slot. And that's where uh, Jeremiah Wusu koromoa could be if he's this safety slash linebacker. So I don't know if that's where they want him to be. You know, that doesn't seem like an advantageous position for him. You know, uh, the Honey Badger is more of a DB uh, hybrid. 
uh, playing up in the box and making plays. Wusu Koromoa, he uh, weighed 221 in his pro day, 6'1 and a half, 221, uh, which is undersized for a linebacker. Uh, and But he leans more the linebacker. Uh, I mean, just his physicality. Uh, he, he can come up and lay the lumber. He's just such an instinctive player. I think that there needs to be it, – it's a rover position that he played at Notre Dame. And so I think, okay, maybe you got the badger position, which is more the – uh, Tyron Matthew, Elijah Molden position. Uh, and then there's a Rover position, which is uh, what JOK plays. Why, why are you smiling? Elijah Molden is, hasn't even been in the NFL and he already has a position. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you love him for sure. I do. I do. <laughs> All right. You got another bold prediction? I did. I'll give you my last one, Bill Jones. The entire draft process, Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater have been looked at as the two top O linemen. I think everyone is forgetting one name. It's Christian Darasol, the tackle from Virginia Tech. I'm high on him, so high that I think he's going to be a top 10 pick. That's pretty bold uh, prediction considering Daniel Jeremiah has him as his number 36 overall prospect. Uh, here's why I think that multiple teams picking in the top 10 knee tackles, the Bengals at five, the lions at seven, the Panthers at eight. And I wouldn't count out your Dallas Cowboys at 10 there, Bill Jones. Uh, Darisol had a really solid three years in Blacksburg with Vatek, he only allowed seven sacks in over 1,000 pass block snaps. And that included, he pitched a shutout last year, Bill Jones, zero sacks allowed in 269 snaps. That helped him become first team all ACC, second team all American, and he was pro football focus's second highest graded tackle in the country. Uh, the measurements are there as well, almost 6'5", 322. His arms and wingspan, both longer than Sewell and Slater. So keep that in mind. Uh, when you a full inch. Yep, yeah, exactly, by, by a decent amount. When you turn on the tape, uh, he's a pretty good athlete. Saw multiple plays of him running down the field on screens. There's, he's blocking guys 25, 30 yards down the field. Uh, leading to touchdowns. He held up really well against Miami and Clemson. We know they both have NFL-level uh, defensive linemen. Now, he did have surgery, Bill Jones, in January to replace a core muscle injury, but it shouldn't affect him going forward. He still did the position drills at his pro day. He just decided not to do the combine testing, which was like the 40, the bench, the broad jump, that stuff just because he had surgery um, in January. Like I said, Daniel Jeremiah has him as number 36, but every year there's kind of a surprise in the top 10. I mentioned to you, Bill Jones, the Giants drafted Andrew Thomas a little higher than most people had. That was kind of a surprise last year. You mentioned Daniel Jones, which was a good one. Um, and in 2019, Cleveland Farrell went four overall to the Raiders, and everyone was like, who the hell is this guy? So I think Christian Darisol could be um, this year's uh, surprise in the top 10. I think that's where he's ending up. 
and, and you're right there there's always you know we get us in the draft nerd community uh we get caught up we're looking at all these mock drafts and they all start looking the same after and there's not much differentiation but we really don't know what's going on and uh, obviously not in uh, every draft room in the in the nfl and you see it all the time uh where there's players that are projected to be second round picks who go in the first round and uh and then the immediate reaction on tv is oh how could they do that what I mean, why would Seattle take Bruce Irvin at number 15 overall? I had him as a third rounder. <laughs> right. Well, it turns oh, he out. Reached you know, and then they all get yeah, C minus right. on the draft grades, you know, the following uh, everyone. That's right. Grades and they get C minuses for taking someone who is projected by someone who doesn't work for an NFL team uh, <laughs> early. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, but I can see a team like Indarisaw over Slater. Uh, you know, the thing with Slater, too, is people liked him looking at his tape, but they really liked him after his pro day. And he put, a, he put up such great numbers for an offensive lineman on his, on his pro day, uh, his movement ability, his strength, 33 bench reps. And you don't have any of those numbers for Derisaw because of the, of the surgery that he had. And so he could have put up just as impressive numbers. Uh, he's not going to have the same movement abilities that Slater has. They're different players in that respect. That's why a lot of people project Slater could, could be better as a pro. He, he might be a pro bowl guard and can play tackle. Derisaw with his length, uh, six, four and a half, nearly six, five, six, four and three quarters, uh, 322 pounds and the 34 inch arms. I mean, when I look at the tape of him, he just looks like a tackle to me. And, sure. and, and, and in fact, I've entertained the thought myself with the Cowboys that, okay, you could trade down and at 15, 16, something like that, he could be an option for you. I've contended all along, as far as the Cowboys are concerned, at number 10, you need to have a tackle of the Tyron Smith ilk, meaning you really feel like he can be a potential uh, multiple-time Pro Bowl, of course, Tyron Smith, the future Hall of Fame tackle. Uh, for the, He's got to be the replacement for Tyron Smith at left tackle when Tyron hangs it up. All right, so I think uh, that's it for my bold predictions. You got any more there, Cody? No, sir. I'm ready to uh, turn our focus to our next segment, Bill Jones, on the next edition of Jonesing for Football. This is what it's all about for us, our all-sleeper team. I know Bill Jones' mm. track record of finding sleepers, pretty impressive. I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming he'll go through his resume, which he mentioned should include Rex Burke. <laughs> uh, we've got some sleepers. We've got five each. So we've done a ton of digging, so you don't have to. Be sure to watch uh, this week on Jonesing for Football. All right, don't sleep on our sleeper edition of Jonesing for Football coming at you soon where you find a podcast near you, in your neighborhood, however you want to say that. <laughs> yeah, right. right. You know what I mean. Where podcasts are available. Coming soon to a podcast neighborhood near you. How's that? I love it. I love All it. All right. We'll chat at you again later this week here on Jonesing for Football. Jonesing for Football.